Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Bocafire.com. Bocafire is a better way to rent professional DSLR lenses. With 30-day rentals, unlimited swapping, free shipping, and free insurance coverage, Bocafire is the best deal around. Use any pro, Canon, or Nikon lens for your DSLR camera with no return dates and no stress. Keep it as long as you want. When you're done, send the lens back using the prepaid shipping label and swap it for your next one. Offering all the most popular Canon and Nikon lenses, including primes, zooms, telephotos, and a lot more. Use the coupon code ANGRY15 to get 15% off any Bocafire membership. Valid now through July 2016, only at Bocafire.com. Today we're talking to Mickey Coachella, bit of a journeyman, comedian, radio personality. Uh, what else? What else can we call? I've done it all. He's done. He's done it all. Played music. I've done comedy. I've written. I'm. I've done everything. Nice. None so, of it well, but right. I've done it. <laughs> so um, it's a good segue in the first question. So you, you've been a bit of a journeyman. So tell me a bit about you know how you got started in your creative career. Well, I knew at a young age that nothing I was learning in school mm-hmm. at, at, at the time right. like appealed to me, mm-hmm. except when I was in school and I could make people laugh. Right. Hey, uh, yeah. yeah. And I knew, I knew that I had something special with that. Right. Even at a young age. I'm talking seventh grade. Um, I knew that I had an ability to hold people there to hold their attention with humor. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I could, uh, I knew that I could get away with things through humor. Um, in fact, I mean, this is a true story. Seventh grade, my teacher made a deal with me that if I could go the whole day mm-hmm. without disrupting the class, <laughs> I could have 20 minutes at the end of the day. To tell stories or make Shut everybody laugh. Really? That was your first set. That huh? was my first set. Was that in the seventh grade, awesome. and I crushed. <laughs> I crushed my first set because I talked about our yeah. teacher. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it. Uh, and and I'll tell you, it was it was a brilliant move on my teacher's part. Did you walk out like a boss, and your crush was just like, dude, you know, drop smitten. the chalk yeah. out the door, <laughs> <laughs> drop the eraser right yeah. in there, just yeah. bam, yeah, out the door. Fuck it, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Mickey yeah. out. Yep. But it, it really was a great. A great thing my teacher did because it did keep me sort of not goofing up during the day. Right. Because I was like, if I screw this up, I'm going to lose my stage time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Who had stage Oh, wait. So she did it more than once? Every day. Shut up. Every single day. Shut You were that much of a dick. Oh, it was bad. My, in, in eighth grade, right. that my eighth grade teacher wouldn't do that deal for me. Right. So this is a true story. I had to spend six months of my eighth grade year in the art closet at the end of the hall the whole day. Wait, I was what? that disruptive. Like, because I want to put the, you in a closet? In an art supply closet. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was wow. like, and, and, and strangely, that worked too, in a way, because right. I didn't have an audience. So I just had to do the work. Right. So I just did the work and then I learned how to use colored pencils and stuff because there's <laughs> so many around me <laughs> and that's, i got to be a master at stapling things wow i mean that's definitely i mean who can say that my early motivation is being locked in a closet yeah, during locked in grade. a closet yeah. yep and 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 kept away from the other children lunch recess gym and uh 
and something else I was allowed to be with General Pop. Right. I called <laughs> the it Gen Pop. Yeah, the Gen Pop. <laughs> Other yeah. than that, I was in solitary. Right. I mean, I was, I would tell people the same thing. I mean, I, school, I didn't, wasn't into school and did well until college. So when I was right. in high school, uh, I had like, and I still have really bad social anxiety. So even though I was friends with a lot of people and I was personable, yeah. when there was lunch, I wouldn't go. Because right. I feel like everyone's fucking staring at me. Yeah, so I, know that I would just walk around the hallways, yeah. make noise, sing myself, whistle. And then I literally would pop into it because a lot of doors like had both, you know, doors on either end of the sure. classroom. And if they'd be open. I just walk in and sit in class and talk right. to girls and get yelled at and then yeah. go walk it back out. And uh and yeah, it was and people people used to be like, Oh, I hear someone yelling in the fucking that's that loud Puerto Rican. There's Jose walking around, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was just like, eh, Well, you know. it's ironic because like you said, you had social anxiety and you thought that everyone was staring at you. Mm-hmm. I had it, but mm-hmm. I got upset if everyone wasn't. <laughs> Like, seriously, like, if I wasn't the center of attention, right. something fucking bad was happening. I right. wasn't on. Right. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as I moved on in school, I got to the ninth grade, and I realized, like, this sucks. It's I, I, I can't even do it anymore. So right. I quit. I quit school. I just quit. Yeah. And uh, I regret that decision. Now right. that I have kids and stuff, I right. definitely regret quitting school. But I went on to educate myself pretty well, and... And and learn things I probably I mean it took my friends four years to graduate high school it took mm-hmm. me a Saturday you know I got a GED like three months after I quit high school in the ninth grade and they still had to go for three and a half more years so uh, but I'm not proud of that right it's one regret I definitely have in life was right. not staying I would have loved to go to college I think I think I would have loved to have become yeah, just a life experience and all that kind of stuff yeah I mean, imagine if you did the college circuit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, well, like, I, while I, you're I in college. I refuse to do colleges. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, if you're a comedian that is edgy at all, you can't do them. Really? The I would most, think that's the one fucking place no you way. could do it. It's because... worse than anywhere in the world. Wow. Colleges are now a bastion of political correctness run amok. Yeah. I mean, you can't say anything about anyone. Wow. Without causing an uproar. And it's just not worth it. I mean, the money's yeah. fantastic. But the backlash is just, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, all those guys have said they won't do colleges anymore. Really? Because, yeah, Bill Maher. Like, it's not worth doing. Hmm. It just, they're, it's, you have to be, like, you. the only people you can be against anymore are, like, Nazis. <laughs> you can be against the Nazis <laughs> or okay. something that was, someone that was that evil. Right. That there's no way of defending them. That's who you're allowed to have an opinion about. Right. Anybody else, forget it. Yeah. It's just, you're just, you're fucked. Yeah, you're completely fucked, no matter what you try to say or do. And it used to be the exact opposite. What you said used to be true was that was the one place you could go to experiment and and push push the boundaries. Yeah, because if you be honest, I mean, let's look at what college is. Uh, It's... You know, it's where a lot of people are finding themselves. It's where you can appeal to so many broad audiences. It's yeah. where you can be yourself. And I mean, all of that to me screams, hey, be a, be, fuck, you know, push the boundaries, push the limits, you know what I mean? And, and, and be honest with yourself and say, these are, for all intents and purposes, adults. Yeah. I mean, 18 years old, you would, you're, you're a fucking adult. Well, you would you like can to curse around a goddamn adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? You like, would like to think that. But sadly, I've learned over my years, the more someone says they're open minded, Usually they're, they're the not. most narrow-minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what they mean is, is I have opinions, mm-hmm. and you should agree with me. That's what <laughs> open-minded means. Yeah. Like if okay, you're for gay marriage, great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, are you for gay marriage? Yes, I am. Okay, see, we're friends. But you say something else, No, and I'm not saying whether or not right. I believe that. Abortion. Yeah, I'm for woman's choice. I'm pro-life. I mean, I'm pro-life. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, well, you're an idiot. I'm right. an idiot because I have a different opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's, to me, all those, that's what I love about comedy. Right. Is taking those moments mm -hmm. and saying, I'm not going to agree with you. And you might not even know if I'm telling the truth or not, but I'm right. going to say it just to piss you off for yeah. the sheer purpose of pissing oh, you off. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what, honestly what a lot of um, comedians do, right? I Carlin mean, was the greatest at it. Oh, I fucking loved him. Carlin was the yeah. greatest. Yeah. He, I don't know how much of what he said he believed, right. but I know that he believed he was going to piss people off. Oh, yeah. Remember his show with a short-lived show? Oh, it was had? incredible. Oh, yeah. It was like Seinfeld, but you know, yeah. with, with balls. Yeah, you before Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. It was awesome. Um, all right, so I have a question. How many 20-year-old girls do you tell that you are the one who founded Coachella? <laughs> you know what's weird is, like, if I was 10 years younger, that would have so worked. <laughs> but I was, like, in my 30s. Right. Went, like, mid, uh, late, th or, I'm sorry, early 30s, I guess, mid-30s right. when that started. Mm -hmm. Like, really gaining traction. Yeah, yeah. And by then, like, 20-year-old girls aren't talking to a 30-something-year-old <laughs> dude anyway. Right, right. But if I'd have had a 10-year window there, yeah. I would have changed the spelling of my last name. <laughs> It would have been Coachella, <laughs> believe me. I mean, I look at it. <clears throat> if, um, same thing with Spanish. A lot of things are phonetic. Right, exactly. And the first thing I thought was, is that Coochiella? Coochiella. Coochiella? Right. And they're like, no, it's Coachella. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think he's not French, but I mean, he's definitely yeah, abusing the way that that should be said. But yeah, you know. No, I would have loved to have lied about the Coachella <laughs> Festival. No doubt about it. So like me, you've had, uh, you've had some steady jobs. Yeah. Right. So for a long time, I know we'll get into a second. Sure. Um, you were a radio personality here in in Baltimore, mm -hmm. and you've also done kind of the gig life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where you're just freelancing and all that kind of thing. You know, is there? Do you prefer one over the other? You know, I've found Jose that when you when you tend to just do one of them, I think it makes you miss the other one, no matter which it is. Right. Um, and I found that when I was doing the steady radio gig, I loved it. Right. Because I could still do the stand-up thing. I right. could still go out at night, yeah. and I didn't have to work the road. I didn't right. have to make four-hour drives or five-hour right. drives. Right. You know, I could make a 20-minute drive, make a lot of money because I was on the radio promoting it, and still get my kicks. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But what I didn't realize at the time was, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I don't, I don't do drugs. So it was just sleep deprivation is what was killing me over a right. long period of time yeah yeah and uh but i i can't say i loved one more than the other i mm. loved i love them both yeah and, they and, both have their pros and cons yeah right. i mean i think the best part about the steady gig is you don't have to think you know doing the radio you know all right i got to get up tomorrow at 3 45 mm -hmm. and you do that every day right um and you you know that six weeks from now you're going to be doing it mm -hmm. and your paycheck's going to be huge and it's going to be steady. Right. So I like that. Mm -hmm. um, where when you're just hustling the stand up world, you you don't know. Right. You're, you're hoping you get booked, yeah. you know, three months from now, four months from now. Yeah. Um, and usually you do. Yeah. But there's times where you'll have a three week window where you didn't get a gig and you're like three weeks without work when you have a family. That's tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean? It's yeah. It's it's like we actually had. Um, I don't know if you know Chris Illuminati. Yeah, I do know that name. Oh, okay. So we, yeah. we had him on. He's one of the first people we spoke to. Yeah. I, used to I used to work with him. 
and uh, my old job, he ran one. He was the editor in chief of one of the men's lifestyle uh-huh. sites we had, and uh, and I didn't even realize he was a comedian as well. I know, yeah. he, I know he wrote. He's an author and stuff like that. He wrote the, his book called Assholeology. Yeah, which you haven't if you haven't read it, you got to check it out. Yeah, cool. You'd find it. I love hysterical. the name. Yeah, um, but he uh, he was telling me, and he goes, you know, he he started. He says, you know, he started getting into comedy a little bit too late. Because now he has, you know, he's married with kids. Yeah. So it, he's like, you know, I can't drive an hour into the city. Right. To then for 10 minutes. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I know exactly and, what he means. And, and it's like, and I, I said, I was like, oh man, like, I never realized that. Yeah. You know, in my head, you're there networking with other comics. You're right. there networking with people who are on the club and maybe you'll go up there for a couple minutes. But yeah. when you, in reality of it is you're driving an hour to, to speak for 10 minutes or yeah. two, two minutes and then you're, you're gone. Yeah. You know, so it's For like, no money. Right. For you know no I mean? money. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, he's like, it, it just started kind of coming to a point where I, if I was in my twenties and I could literally sleep in my car and, and go to a, go to a couple of different yeah. places in, in one night. Yeah. It would make sense. Well, it's funny, like the way you're describing it. Cause like I think about it and I, I guess I, at a young age, I knew the difference between fame and success. Right. And I never cared about fame. Like I didn't care if I was in movies and everybody knew me. Right. I just wanted to tell jokes and get paid. Yeah. Like that's all I ever wanted. And think about the fame. The only difference is uh, you can't go to Target. You can't do anything. I mean, even <laughs> you know like I mean? doing the radio thing and being so big for a while, like on a very small scale, like it's hard. It's still hard. Like right. if I go to a movie or something with my kids, there'll be dudes there. To, hey, Mickey, what's up, man? You know, and you're like, oh fuck, you know, and you, <laughs> but like you can't hate it, yeah, because that's what you did. Or, so yeah. like on a very small scale, I see it. So I can't imagine what like really faint, like a Brad Pitt or somebody, oh, like yeah, Johnny Depp, those right. guys, yeah. have to live like. I it. mean, you know, speaking of comedian, look at Dave Chappelle. I mean, he, yeah. he would talk about how like he's out with his family, yeah, and people are coming with him, hey motherfucker, you know, right. I smoke exactly. rocks and they're right. going yeah. all this crazy yeah. shit, and he's like, dude, I'm with my kids, yeah, but you this kid's mean? eight, yeah, you just yeah. call me a motherfucker, like what is wrong <laughs> with you? Or like uh, Eddie Murphy would talk about. I used to love like raw and delirious. Oh, others, they're the greatest. Where he talks about like foreigners love his shit. Yeah, I know you, Eddie. Yeah. You're the fucking man. <laughs> you're, you're the fuck you man, right? Fuck you, motherfucker. And he's like, but yeah. that stuff, I'm in a, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. Do you know Ocean City, Maryland? Have you been there? I haven't been there, but I know it. Okay, and it's got a huge boardwalk. Right. And I'm not making this up. I walked for 10 minutes, one right. direction, right? Okay. And along that walk, if, if it was once, it was 15 times that guy said, what the fuck's up? Hey, motherfucker. And I got my three babies. <laughs> They're six, five, and three. Oh, my God. And I'm looking at people like, okay, forget me. Yeah. How do you say that in front of three fucking babies? Yeah. Forget yeah, yeah. it's me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see these three fucking kids? Yeah. How do you not know just not to say fuck? Yeah. No, in front of them. People are retarded. Let's it's be honest. Ins- yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, people are fucking ignorant yeah. idiots. Yeah. And it, it it it's insane. And then, though... <laughs> Then you'll get the person that will just tap you on the shoulder very quietly mm-hmm. and they'll say, I know you're with your family. You know, right. I just wanted to say I'm a big fan and I think you're very funny. Right. Those are the ones I'll spend 15 minutes with. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The other guy, I try to kick in the fucking head as soon as I can. <laughs> you know, it, but it's it's it, it's a weird life. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, on a very small scale, I've experienced mm-hmm. that, like, being pigeonholed by fame. Right. And honestly, it's why I never cared about it. Right. I just wanted to be able... To not have to wake up, put a suit and tie on, and go sell something that I couldn't care less about. Right. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't, I'm not demeaning anyone that does that. Yeah. D- different strokes, different folks. Exactly. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I, and I had a great line one. I heard a great line one time I was telling somebody, I said, you know, just the idea of waking up every day and putting on a suit and tie and going to a job where you sit in an office, that's like living on Venus to me. And the yeah. guy goes, no, that's like living on earth. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, you, you know what? You, You're fucking right. You'd appreciate this. So uh, because I'm trying to do this and I'm, sure. and I'm trying to stay busy, I started doing some overnight construction at Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do these jobs. And as you can imagine, Johns Hopkins, has, it's huge. So there's all kinds yeah. of buildings we go to. And sure. and all of them have uh, cubicles. Yep. Which for the life of me, give like literally – Break out in hives. Yes. Yeah, like, I'm just with you. looking at them, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. And and I, the idea of them. So every single time I go there, I think it's so funny that I'm there at night. Because I don't wander around. But at the same time, I have to go through a lot of spaces sure. to go to the bathroom yeah. or whatever. And I'll look at them. And I go, the idea of cubicles is fucking jarring. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you have these walls where you're trying to make yourself productive. Right. But the way they humanize them is, oh, the the fabric, you can pin stuff on there. So yeah. Pictures you of your kids. And, you can pin and stuff on your and cage. A kitten calendar. <laughs> yeah. A kitten calendar. Yeah. That'll make you keep your sanity. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, if I have to be doing drywall and drop ceilings and tiling yeah. overnight to make sure I don't have to do yeah. that, I'll do it gladly. I'm with you, man. You know what I mean? Yep. And I'd rather watch paint dry <laughs> than sit in a cubicle and have to do anything. Yeah. yeah. You know? Now, there's times like having kids where I wish I had a cubicle and I could just hide well, from them. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to be creative inside of one of those. Right. So uh, that's a good question. Did, did becoming a father kind of change your outlook on your comedy and your radio work? Or yeah. was it kind of like you just, you know, for instance, like we just talked about Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I, I love the guy. But l- yeah. let's be well, honest. I mean, the last love? few movies. You know what? You when know, you do 30 movies. Yeah. You're allowed a slump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where, what I mean? You sit there and say, okay, you're going you're gonna to do all the stuff that your kids can be proud of and your kids yeah. can watch and your kids can can be in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest. If he could, like, even just redoing Delirious or Raw at right. this point in his career, well, people would you, lose their goddamn minds. I'll tell you something funny. He was asked about a year and a half ago, two years ago, why he won't do stand-up again. Because right. he's, he's batted it around. Right, yeah, yeah. And he basically said that he'd have to go out on the road and write in the clubs and stuff, mm-hmm. which is fine. Right. But he said nowadays he's so afraid that even a quick a word, he used the word faggot. He said, if I was to say the word faggot oh, I and I wasn't even calling someone that, I just said it, my movie career would be over. It would right. end me. Yeah. And that's, that's a true. sad world we live in. A sad you know, world. I never thought about that. I mean, that, you, you, you heard about him, remember? It? I forget which one it was, Delirious or Raw. Yeah. Where he talks about how he used the word faggot. And yeah. this is in the 80s. Yeah. Right? So we yeah. had AIDS and all this shit yeah. around. Yeah. And he goes, so I went to San Francisco. Right. And oh my God. Yeah. The second I got off the plane, yeah. the police are there. Woo, 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 woo. It's not a siren. It's a faggot on the roof with a fucking flashlight. I was no, dying. If you did that, if you did that routine now, Oh, yeah. They yeah. shut you down. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's scary to think that it's only been, what, 20 years, let's just say 30 years, and the Carlins and the Murphys and, and the Priors. The Priors. What the fuck? Bill Hicks. And, and you would think, I mean, what was Carlin's record? 30 words you can't say on the radio? Or 20? Seven, seven. Seven. Yeah, seven, seven. words you couldn't fuck say shit, on the radio. Fuck shit, piss, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and yeah. tits. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And then you sit there and go, well, hold on. We have topless news in Europe. We have all right. this Dude, stuff. We live in the most suppressed country sexually yeah. on the planet. Well, we were, let's be honest. I mean, P- Puritans, to, it, Puritans right. came here. But let's think about this. Yeah. Next to the Middle East and these sort of 
I forget which Muslim religion is the stricter one, mm-hmm. but next to them, we're pretty much the most suppressed country I, on yeah, earth with sex. It. Yeah. You know? And it was funny. I met this English years ago. I met this English guy. I used to work with him in college and I used to fucking bust his balls. Right. And right. I'm like, you guys are so fucking uptight and you English yeah, pricks right. and all this shit. Right. Yeah. And he goes, we're uptight. Yeah. Bro. You had two seconds of a titty on, on fucking television. Bowl, right, yeah. And four years later, you're still talking about it. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, he's yeah, it's, right. It's crazy. Goes, we have topless news. Yeah. Like <laughs> they have the page three girls over there. The mm. newspaper, page three, is a topless girl. Every really? every edition. Wow. You don't know that. Yeah, girls become famous being a page three girl. Huh. So here's a question. And you'll you laugh because we, we talked about how you got started. Okay. Okay. So how we met. Well, we met at, at one of your sets. Okay, let's just yeah, say yeah. how I saw you. Right. Initially, was our kids our kids go to the same school? Correct. So, you know, I always wondered how come we've never done a sets while standing in line to pick up the kids? Because I, I I don't feel like I'm alone in saying that I'd love to laugh instead of standing in that fucking hallway feeling like I'm back in high school. Here's what it is. Yeah. Okay, so your girl Jess, yeah, is awesome. Mm-hmm. I could do it hanging out with her. Right. It's the other 12 uptight cunts <laughs> that are standing there that I can't even look in the eyes because they have, they're literally, it, it makes me insane. First they have, of all, they have their Stepford blinders on. It's beyond Stepford. It's like I, when I go, all right, I, I'm picking up my child from the third grade. If this is the hardest part of my day, I, somebody should take the oxygen out of the air and I should right. die where I stand. Right. But I listened to some of these girls like, oh, my God, I had to rush to get here. I was getting my nails done. And I'm like, just die. <laughs> just die right where you stand. You know what I mean? Right. right. And and they got their fucking coffee cup, yeah. you know, that matches their coat and all that bullshit. <laughs> and I, I can't even stand it. Like, I mean, there's a couple moms or yeah. dads that yeah. are cool. And I yeah. hang out with them and I talk to them. Right. But it's, I know if I start doing a set. Right. I'm going to attack these fuckers and it's going <laughs> to, my kid's going to get kicked out of school. Right, right. So you got it, you know, and for my kids, I'll tell you where it really gets me is sports. Like I yeah. was a really, really good athlete yeah. as a kid. I mean, really good. Yeah. And I know a lot about different sports and right. I would be a great coach, but I can't coach because I know parents. I would fucking kill one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely our daughter, kill. Our daughter did, well, Riley did baseball last year, our yeah. son, and then our daughter Lyric did soccer this year. Right. And, oh, yeah, I can already see it. I mean, just even just standing on the sidelines and seeing some parents lose their shit. Yeah. Right? Like the typical fucking I, I'd look alpha for, parent. Right, you right. know what I mean? Exactly. And then you got the other people who are sitting there drinking at 8 in the morning on a Saturday being like, dude, it's fucking eight-year-old <laughs> yeah, soccer. This sucks. Yeah. You we know might I mean? as well get drunk. But at the same time. Like it was always that like we we quickly made friends with some people who would be there and just were just hysterical. They were into it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And their team this year, they went like they were like the bad news bears last season. Right. And literally this season, they won. They lost what one game. Yeah. And they won the championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, holy shit, that's cool. So you know, as a big sports guy growing up, I played sports too. I thought that was pretty. pretty but pretty see, cool. you're like a Philly guy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's an intense sports town. Oh, yeah. The fucking Broad Street Bullies. Right. I mean, it's a great sports town. My favorite line I've ever heard. I met a guy from Philly. And I was like, what do you guys do when there's no sports? He goes, we go to the airport and boo late arrivals. (laughs) 
That's the fucking greatest line I've ever heard. <laughs> that is awesome. That's incredible. Because have you ever been to fucking Philadelphia I've been to one. I will, it is a horrible oh airport. <laughs> I'm say, I always say for like the sixth biggest city in the United States, yeah. you have the 90th airport. Yeah. Like yeah. that airport is shit. <laughs> it, I thought it was a subway the first time I went in it. No, but the fact that you have to walk, no matter what I don't terminal care, yeah, you're exactly. in, you have to walk five miles to, to get the, out. To get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to say, though, about the kids real quick with yeah. coaching and shit or with like, you know, these parents, I, I look at these parents sometimes and I'm like, do you realize all your kid wants is you to smile? Right. Yeah. And tell them good job, even yeah. if he fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, and most of the kids suck when they're eight. Yeah. There's the occasional elite athlete. Right. But most of them can barely tie their shoes. Right. Let alone, and these parents are screaming, screaming at them, you know, kick the ball, use your glove, get down. And I just, I... It makes me crazy. Like yeah. I have to walk away from them yeah, yeah, yeah. because I remember, I remember being young and my dad was, my dad was really good. My dad was a super athlete too, but he would never say anything. Like he would make eye contact with me if I did something good and just kind of give me a thumbs up, you know, or if I did something stupid, he would like shake his head and then show me like, right. you know, get down on right. it or you know, whatever, but never, ever just, I see these moms running up and down and then part of me thinks they should have a game every day so your fat ass could lose weight. You're running every day. <laughs> and it, it, I just look at these people and I'm yeah. How do you get kids? Yeah. Why do you deserve to have a kid? No, I mean, yeah. You're abusing I mean, the shit out yeah, of them. It's, it's, you know, it, it's scary. I mean, it's a scary prospect that some people you sit there and say who shouldn't procreate are the ones who have the most children. But Here's what know. kills me. You need a license to fish, drive, do anything. Right. But if you want to bring a human being into the world, all you need is an organ. <laughs> That's it. There's no other. You don't even need a job. <laughs> yeah. That's it. They'll give you money if you don't have a job. <laughs> you don't have any money? Uh, fuck it. Have the kid. We'll give you money. <laughs> Tell me how that system is going to sustain itself. Yeah. I, you know, it's and I'm not even point. against helping people. Right. But when you're having kids for more money. Yeah. Fucking planet. Oh, yeah. On. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, it, 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 is, it is a fucking scary prospect. I mean, it, so, yeah. So, I mean, you, you can imagine... The same thing. You're thinking all the same things I did when I was in that school. I mean, I moved, you know, I used to live in the suburbs. Yeah, that's what up. I was saying. You're a Philly guy. Like, yeah, you're so a guy's I mean, yeah. guy. Get the fuck away from me. Yeah, I moved here, cuffs. and I was just like, ah. And plus, we're you know. we're not even in Baltimore here. Yeah. I mean, it's Baltimore, but we're in the county. Yeah. We're in the suburb of suburbs. Right. You know, and it's, and here's the thing, like, I call it pretend rich. <laughs> because you're doing, most people out here are doing better than the average Joe. Right. But at the same time, you're not fucking Donald Trump. Right. You're still sweating it month to month to oh, get yeah. by. Yeah. Um, but it's like this pretend thing. Everybody's got a fucking Escalade and some other piece of shit right. car they can't afford. Yeah, yeah. And it's just this whole sort of keeping up with the Joneses uh -huh. thing. And I've never been a fan of like yeah. I don't dress like a 47-year-old dad. Right. I dress like I'm 17. <laughs> and not to be cool, it's just convenient and comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I like t-shirts and jeans. You know, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. the same way. Yeah. Um, I wear a button down. I think it's a holiday. Right, exactly. Somebody go died. <laughs> Get the button down off <laughs> the shelf. They used to joke that uh, uh, Hispanics only had one dark suit, so you could wear it to court, funerals, <laughs> and uh, and and winter weddings. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true. And, it, and literally, anytime, anytime. I put a suit on and I take a picture. All my Spanish friends on Facebook are like, yo, man, who died or what'd you go into court for? <laughs> yeah, what'd, it's you, one of the what'd you do, man? What'd you do? <laughs> um, so, you know, have you ever 
been like a person who listened to kind of podcasts and that kind of thing, you're being a radio personality, or do you think we're all just hacks? No, not at all. I think the podcast to me, I don't look at it as like radio light. Mm-hmm. I look at it radio light. Well, you know, I've heard that expression. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah, and I look at it the opposite way. I look at it like it's even more compelling than radio mm-hmm. because there's no restriction. Yeah, there's no. It's the wild west. I mean, mm-hmm. you can talk about anything you want, and to me, I, I don't. I don't think it's hack because first of all, it, if you were sitting here playing songs and you were, um, you know, selling windows or something, then I'd be like, what are you, you're doing a radio show, but you're not on the radio. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that. You're having mm-hmm. a discussion and you're recording it. Um, and I think that through the history of time that this will always be entertaining. You know, I, if they would have had podcasts throughout history, I mean, it would have been amazing to know what people were thinking during those times to right. really thinking. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think that. And I've always been a fan, whether it's music or you know, traditional art or mm-hmm. photography, whatever it is, when people do things that they're not great at yet, mm. that's when I kind of like it. When you can see sort of the, I don't want to say green, but when, when, when it's raw mm-hmm. and it's not polished and it's mm-hmm. not, you know, perfectly form formatted and right. formulated. Um, that's to me is what I find most compelling because I, you can see and hear or feel the struggle in whatever it is they're trying to do. Right. And I like that. You yeah. know, I like hearing an artist develop. I don't, you know, there's a reason that artists like, I'll just say like you two, mm-hmm. become these legends. Yeah. And it's not because they continue to write these great songs. Right. Um, because let, in the last 10 years, they haven't written a great song. Yeah. They've written some good stuff. But what's amazing is the first three or four albums where they were struggling and they were finding themselves and identifying themselves. It was so compelling. Right. Springsteen. Like I'm not a gigantic Springsteen guy, but I love his story right. and the struggle, the Rolling Stones. Like you could stop recording the stones after 1973 to me and I'd be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and it's true. I mean, it brings up a good point because that's something that uh, I've been personally kind of trying to, accept or, or whatever where this is probably the latest of i don't know four or five ventures i've tried over the years yeah and uh you know it it's still very new and and the first thing people ask like you said is oh so you make any money at it yet and i'm like well no a it's fucking a month old b right. uh you know any business no but at the same time like you just said i kind of like that i'm not because, you're hungry yeah yeah. You know, like, and, and like you said, it, it leaves me the freedom to say whatever the fuck I want. You well, know? and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you something as mm-hmm. a guy that's, you said you're on your fourth, I'm probably on my 50th venture, yeah, you right. know? Yeah. And to me, the reason I'm on my 50th venture is because I don't want to do the same thing the rest of my life. Right. I don't want to be a guy that did one thing really good. I'd rather do. 50 things, okay. And that goes against most people's logic. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, just pick one thing and do it really good. Well, no, I'm going to do 50 fucking things, and maybe I'll be great at one, and I'll suck at the other 49. But I'm going to have fun doing all 49. And I never got into comedy to make money. I I, I hope that it would let me make money. Right. But I never let it, I never let the money be the thing that drove me. It yeah, was always it, the art first. Right. It was always the craft because first. Because if you think about it, I mean, you've probably had this already in, in your career. 
where I've done it. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, where I've taken a job and I say, okay, the pay's really good. And I know it's not going to be the best job, but in my head, I'm justifying it by the money I'll make. The only but time I it, did, it ever never did that, works out. Yeah. But the only time I ever did that mm-hmm. was if it was good enough money to let me do something else <laughs> right. while I'm doing this. Exactly. Kind exactly. of finance my next thing. Right. You know, and, and I never found anything like that, but it was the same thing where I yeah, sit there sure. and say, Hey, uh, the jobs where I got paid 300 bucks a week yep. were the most fun. And I think about them to this day, you sure. know, 10, 12 years later. Yeah. And the jobs that paid the best were the ones that the second I left or got laid off or quit, I didn't fucking look back for a second. This is the way I always explain it to people. You never see, like, or you see like bankers and fucking Wall Street guys jump out of windows mm-hmm. and kill themselves. Mm-hmm. You never fucking see a welder do that, do you? Yeah. You never see a carpenter jump out of a fucking window because right. he didn't have enough wood. You know <laughs> what I mean? you think about it, I always say this. How many times do you hear or see amazingly wealthy people who are unhappy, right? Yeah. And, you, and, and most people go... What the fuck? Right. But in reality, I get it. Even I get if it's not too. a super, I get it. I right. can already see why. Yep. But then, how many homeless people do you see who are amazingly, you know, happy? And you're sitting there going, dude, you have a fucking house to live in. You're living in a cardboard box. And if someone gave you a pizza, you would, for free, you would still hand it out to some other people just, be, just you know, just out of kindness of your heart because you're sitting there going, it's a fucking good day. I got a fucking piece of pizza. Let me tell you something. I grew up lower class, mm-hmm. lower middle class, whatever you want to call it. You know, my dad was a iron worker. My mom uh, was a waitress, mm-hmm. you know, great, hardworking people, right. salt of the earth, love their kids, just good people. Right. Um, I never had the newest shit. I wore my uncle's clothes, half of them. I mean, that my parents bought me clothes, but mm-hmm. like a lot of hand-me-downs, right. yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, when The day my third child was born, I'll never forget this, I signed my last contract with 98 rock Mm -hmm. and i'll share this with you it was for over three hundred thousand dollars a year nice just keep that in mind (laughs) living where we live it's not that expensive right so you can live pretty good yeah um and i remember saying i couldn't give a shit about this money my baby my my youngest was born right Right. i was so happy but at the same time it's fucking three hundred thousand dollars a year and cut to today right i don't have that job anymore Mm mm-hmm but I still have my son yeah. and it's the greatest fucking feeling in the world knowing right. that even on that day, my priorities were right. Right. And even when I had all that money and it, it was hard to spend it, I found a fucking way to do it. <laughs> and most of it was out of sheer fucking misery. Right. Because I wasn't happy. Right. My marriage was fucking falling apart and shit. Right. I was borderline agoraphobic with my depression. Mm hmm. So what would I do? I'd get off the air at 10 in the morning. I'd have my 20-minute show meeting. Then I'd drive to the mall and spend $1,000 on fucking clothes I didn't need. (laughs) Or I'd go to the fucking track and sit there for three hours and bet on fucking horses like I needed money. Right. You know, and it it made me realize now I'm, I'm starting all over again. Yeah. But I have this desire now. Yeah. I have, like, I have a passion again. Yeah. And you can't buy that. No, you. and it's funny. So, like... You know, we talked about having a story, right? I mean, everyone wants to hear, right? Let's as a country, right? Yeah. Let's just say everyone loves the underdog story. Of course. Right? Everyone loves to show you fucking struggled. You were, you know, in extreme cases, like uh, have you ever seen Pursuit of Happiness? Uh, you know, sure, you're of you're course. fucking, you know, sleeping the night in a bathroom yeah. at, a, at a fucking subway station. Right. And then 
you you somehow rise out of that and yeah. make a, a big success story out of yourself. Yeah. But you know, overnight success, no one fucking cares. Right. Right. The people fucking hate you, so they right. think, okay, well, did and a lot of times it's never overnight success, but it's you know knowing that story, knowing that struggle, and of hearing it. And I started thinking to myself when I started doing these construction. I've never, I've, ne- I've been a handsy kind of guy. Yeah. But I never knew, known a trade. I've never kind of really worked with a shit ton of power tools. Right. So every single time I went in one of these jobs, I was learning how to lay wood floors. I was learning right. how to tile, and it was fun. Yeah. In the sense of being a kid, sure. going, I feel like I'm mad. Right. You know. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going like, fuck, you know, like I really have to be smart enough to really pick up on what is going on, yeah. what I'm doing and saying to myself, like you said, that I'm not in my twenties anymore. Yeah. And, and it's now I have kids you know, and it's a bigger thing and it's now it's okay. This is the shit you just have to do. And, you know, here I am trying to make this thing get real big. And at the same time, I like the fact that while it's had, and you gotta, you gotta measure the small victories, it had a little bit of success. Yeah not nearly where I wanted to be or I'm making any money. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I got to keep plugging, keep going along. But uh, I'm pretty sure, like you just said, I'm sure if I get to the point like you and I'm hosting something somewhere and making $300,000 a year, yeah. I'll probably want to be back in my basement talking to fucking Michi, you know, Mickey Cucciella. Yeah. You know, but Jose, I'll tell you something that yeah. I, I, I figured out a long time ago. Thank you. <laughs> This is amazing. Wait, we have to tell, we have to talk about this. Yeah, Jessica just came downstairs with the a beautiful Jessica. Yes, yes, with with a glass of water, two gin and tonics, and her own rum and coke. Yes, at, Cheers, at one in lady. the afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I was going to say, in regards to like, you were telling, you said something very interesting about, you know, people love a, a struggle, a yeah. success story. Yeah, and I equate it like this because most people in this country are like you and I grew up, you know, right. you grow up, your parents or whoever, they try their best. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you try, you try your best. Right. And they give you love. Right. And the necessities of life. Yeah. And then you want to do better for your kids. And yeah. then they're, they're, hopefully your kids will want to do better. But the truth is when all is said and done, it all comes back to what life is really about. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that I even think that artists tend to, to overlook sometimes, and I don't care what your art is, um, no matter what you do, if it's some sort of creativity, it's the pinnacle of success is your art. Mm-hmm. But no one ever talks about, no one famous ever talks about how they got there. They will, but it's it's they don't know how to put that in the art. You right. can't see that in the art. Right. You may be able to see it in their early, early stuff. But by the time someone's famous and they're telling you, oh, stick to your guns and just, you know, don't compromise. Right. It seems condescending. Every one of those motherfuckers <laughs> compromised. That's such horse shit. Right. Whenever I hear an artist go, just believe in yourself and don't do what anyone else. Do. Go fuck yourself. If it was that simple, everyone would do it. Right. And I get crazy. I tell people all the time, especially young comedians, mm-hmm. listen to the club managers. Although they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're the ones that are going to book you. Right. So do what they say. Stage time is a lot more important than integrity. Yeah. You know, don't change your act. But if he says, hey, at the early show tonight, don't cuss too much. Right. Well, don't cuss too much if you want to work. Right. You know, and it's just little things like that where, like, the purists, so to speak, diminish the struggle. Right. I feel like, you know what? It is a struggle to have to curb your act a little bit or curb your art or whatever it is. Yeah. So that you can keep moving forward. Yeah, I mean, think about like photography. I mean, it, it's been, you know, you mentioned a good thing where when you have a steady job, 
right? Yeah. And say, like for me, I had I've freelanced full time for like five years, and then I've had jobs and I freelance on the side. Right. And it wasn't until I got my last job where it was a decent salary, most I made ever. So yeah. to me, I was like, okay, I still want to do photography and be creative, but right. now it was almost like liberating where I could say, I don't fucking need the money. Right. So my rates tripled yeah, whenever I booked something. Right. And I said, how does that make sense? And, yeah. and I was lucky enough that it, it, I kind of, it, that was a new norm. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what it's like when you sit there and say, well, I don't want to fucking do a $300 job. Right. You know? Yeah, but I do. you had to because rent's rent and, yeah. and everything else. And then you sit there and say, well, that doesn't diminish me as an artist, but at the same time, I would tell people all the time, and I still say this, I'd rather book one, listen for numbers, I'd rather book one job for $1,000 than $1,000 jobs. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I get why you would book those $100 jobs. I've yeah. been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you might not have that $1,000 job. You know, and another thing that I think people tend to not really understand from, I think if you're a performer or you're any kind of creative person, you get it where the the reward you feel doing it, mm -hmm. you can't be compensated for. Yeah. That it's, there's no money that can make you feel that way. So a lot of times where you hear people say, Oh, you know, I, I question someone that won't go on stage out of principle, you know, where I go, okay, so it is about money for you or it is about the art. Cause if it's about the art, get the fuck up there and do your thing. Right. If it's about principle that you're better than a hundred dollars, well, then this isn't about art to you anymore. It's about money. Yeah. So go work in a bank. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've just, I, I've always been sort of like the blue collar approach to my art. Mm -hmm. It's like, you got to work hard. Right. And sometimes you build the Taj Mahal and sometimes you build a shit house. Yeah. Either way you're building. Yeah. And you know, and, you know, that's funny. So you, you're familiar with the creative gap, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So I tell people a lot of times that's, and for some people with their entire careers, that's something yeah. they struggle with. Sure. Um, and, you know, as, especially as photographers where it's a very technical and I'm not, yeah, not I don't know how you guys do it. Cause right. it's almost scientific. To right. Me. It can be. Yeah. Right. Cause you still have people who are very artsy and don't know sure. a lot about cameras, right. Or yeah. their settings and stuff. Then there's people who are, you know, practically engineers with a right. camera, yeah. but they don't really get the art side right. and you have, and you have people in the middle. Right. Yeah. Um, but it to me is is I tell people all the time like uh, and I'm guilty of this is that sometimes I'd sit there and, and I'd get in a place where if I'm not making money I'll pick up my camera and then I hate myself and then I say okay something has to change yeah okay let me get back to just doing it and when I started this right yeah I'm the kind of person where I like to be prepared so I I researched for like over a month before I did anything and right. then I said to myself. Just fucking do it. Just do it, Because man. then you can say, once it's done, you're going to go to the next thing, and you're going to make that progress. And like yep. you said, it, there's been times I'll take a $200 job, right, years ago. Sure. And I'll, and I'll hate myself. But then, you know what? The next job is for three grand. Right. So obviously, yeah. you just you just got to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that momentum sometimes means more than what you get out of it. I mean, like yeah. you said, if you chase the money, you're going to regret it. And if yeah. you do it for the love of it, no matter what it is, eventually, hopefully, it pays off. Well, you know, I, I, my grandfather told me this philosophy. I can't say it's his because I've heard it since. But when I was a kid, he'd say, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Okay, so real quick. Yeah. Everyone said that, right? I've yeah. heard that a lot. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was uh, speaking of the Eagles, 
they they always do this cool video before the start of the season to amp sure. everybody up. Yeah, yeah. So you know Brian Dawkins? Yeah, of course. Okay. So Brian Dawkins, you know, the for all intents and purposes preacher of football right. who gets anyone fucking amped up. Of course. Said that and goes, People have said if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I say the opposite is true. If you love what you do, you will work fucking 24 hours <laughs> right. a day right. and you will kill yourself right. to be the best you can be. Yeah. And I was like, shit, these re- it's, again, it's just a different approach, but yeah. at the same time, exact it's, same exa- thing. it's exactly it, yeah. is that you'll gladly put in the work, put in the effort. Yeah. You know, the, like I thought about, I never thought to say that I would ever work overnight and be coming home at three, four in the morning yeah. from construction jobs. To, to make sure I can still do this, you know, yeah. or I can just, and, and make progress with writing and all this other stuff. But at the same time, I'll gladly do that if it affords me, like you said, the ability to do to this, still do this. Yeah, of you course, know what I mean? man. And it's like, you know, you sit there and say that the creative gap, uh, you can feel like you're closing in on it, right? When yeah. you, when you're seasoned, but maybe you're not, is that something for you? You feel like that you've, you've closed the gap over the years or um, everything you do is still shit. No, I wouldn't say everything I do is shit anymore. I, I I feel like I have I've achieved respect of my peers. Well, I meant for you. Uh but I think that's the only way you can judge it. Yeah, yeah. I in guess. a sense. Like I, I, I feel like let me say it this way. I always know I can be better. Right. The difference now is there's no more shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least I feel really good about 99% of the things I'm doing. Right. Okay. So name, so here's a pop quiz. Yeah. Name your biggest fear with regards to your career. Um, people just not wanting to hear me anymore. Yeah. Not having an audience. And I don't mean like not having an audience that wants to pay to see me and let me We're make money. Playing to a room of five people. I just think people not caring about what I have to say anymore. Right. I think that's my biggest fear where I've lost my voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean my physical voice, my point of view. Right. And and people being interested in it. Okay. So here's uh let's see. Tell me a joke. <laughs> no, and it's funny. How much do you fucking hate hearing that, right? You know what's weird? Like but really. Honestly, tell, I, tell me a joke. I don't like I don't <laughs> hate it as much as you'd think. But at the same time, it's when people come up and they go, Hey, tell me something funny. And it's like <laughs> okay. It's like the only job in the world you'll just put somebody on the spot to do. Oh, yeah. You know, and nobody walk- walks up to a doctor and goes, hey, do me a favor. Check my asshole real quick. <laughs> I got an itch down there that's killing me. Yeah. Like, you can't. But at the same time, like, I understand why they do it. Right. You know, the people human, enjoy it. Well, the human the human need for laughter. Right. Is maybe it maybe surpasses sex, honestly. Yeah. Um, and and it's the only thing in the world, I believe that feels that good and is free and doesn't hurt you in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. You know, there's drugs that would make you feel great, but you're going to fucking die. Yeah. Taking them. Laughter is just, so when I, when people say, Hey, tell me a joke, I usually get out of it. Yeah, because you but tell them, well, what I do is more observational humor. Well, I just say like, I don't do jokes, like which is yeah. a total fucking lie. Right. Everything I say is a joke. Right. I'll tell you, all right, here's a great joke I love. Yeah. I'll tell you this joke, and you can do with it what you want. A little boy walks in his parents' room, and they're having sex. Mm. And uh, the father looks at the little boy and yells, get the hell out of here. And the little boy runs out of the room crying. Right. So after they finish, the father goes downstairs, and he's looking for the little boy everywhere, can't find him. Finally, he walks in the kitchen. The little boy's in there. He's got his own grandmother bent over the stove, tearing it up. <laughs> the father walks in and goes, what the fuck? And the little boy goes, it ain't so funny when it's your mommy, is it? <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes ever. 
that's that's good. That's good. You <laughs> I know? love that joke. But like you just said, I mean, it's you know, and and I'm sure. Okay, so I'm sure one thing, real quick, we'll talk about. Yeah, the aristocrats joke. Yeah, right. How that's like the one thing that every comic has has either heard or knowing the fact that it's just a very it's a broad stroke idea that anyone can just take sure. over and see how much you can offend other people. Yeah. Um, but I mean that, that, that to me is pretty, you always gotta have something you can sit there and tell someone. Yeah. And I think the idea of the aristocrat, the aristocrat stroke is right. so interesting because it is one of the only few shared jokes premises right. in the world. Cause comedians are very, very yeah. guarded of their material. Yeah. But that's been this kind of thing where, I mean, I don't even remember who originally came up with it. I think they figured it out. But oh, I don't, really? Yeah, but I don't remember. And um, and it, But it became one of those things where whoever it was kind of was gracious enough to say, yeah, tell your version of it. Right. You know, which is very uncommon in the comedy world. Right. I don't know if the photography world is very it's competitive you know it's judgmental oh of course when when you think about it it's uh it's it's you're your own entity so you're at war with everyone essentially sure yeah so some people take it very serious like that yeah um and it has been like that for you know centuries honestly yeah because you think about it it what for a long time it was almost a trade yeah. where you had uh, a way of doing it. You had to have a lot of money to buy the equipment. Yeah. And then you had people who were kind of like uh, um, underlings under you and you sure. would teach them and, yeah. and apprentice them. Yeah. You know? uh, but nowadays, I mean, with the invention of digital cameras, it's yeah, I mean, all, technology it's all, has, right, it's all yeah. changed where anyone yeah. can pick up a camera right. and start a business. So the good thing is that people and, uh, you know, someone we were, we we're talking to recently, if you've ever heard of Creative Live, uh-huh. It's uh, co-founded by this photographer named Chase Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And Creative Live is a free online education website where you can learn anything you want. Listen, and it's all free. Yeah. You can watch classes by people about yoga, photography, graphic design, right. all kinds of stuff. And it's you it's all live stream. So like you can watch it when it happens for mm-hmm. free. And then if you want to download it later and watch it, you pay, you pay. That's sure. the money model, right? Um, but he was one of the first people to, when YouTube was coming up, yeah. was one of the first people to just put free information out there. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, that's pretty standard, but he took a lot of flack in the beginning because that was in the beginning. He was giving his trade away. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And I get people it. were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, you're, you're devaluing the whole industry and it's right. like, mm, not really. Right. I'm giving out quality content and helping people grow as artists. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, this the same way in comedy. You could okay. For instance, say you you knew a little bit something about a camera. Yeah, I could give you a forty thousand dollar medium format camera. Right. I can give you all my lights, and we can both shoot the same model. Right. I can explain to you how everything's set up. I can do it for you, but in the end, I'm sure we'd have two very different photographs. Sure. So to me, I've always been the the person that I'll teach anyone anything. Yeah. Because you know what? It doesn't mean they're going to fucking overnight be my competition. I feel the same way about comedy. You know, I'm right. very, very, very. Uh, What's the word? Um, I, I love to help young comedians. Yeah. I didn't have that chance when I was young. I th- and I think that's why a lot of people like yourself have that. Yeah. In, in a sense, when they get older, is because you sit there and go, I wish I had this. Absolutely. I if I would have had somebody that would have taught me how to craft a joke or how to, um, how to work a room and I didn't have to spend four or five years learning it. Right. Just by sheer fucking determination and just, eating yeah. a dick, you know, which is how I learned. So that's how you got where yeah, you are. I ate eating, a lot of dicks. Eating, eating a lot yeah. of dicks. I'm on a dick diet right now. 
But uh, if I didn't do it that way, right, there would have I couldn't have done it. Right, there was no other way to do it. Now, yeah. you know, a guy like me that can say to a young guy, "Hey, you know what? That's unnecessary. You don't have to go through all that. Try it this way." Or if you're going to talk about that, talk about it from this point of view or that point of view. Don't right. talk about it from both point of view because right, then right, you right. get lost. You know, right. just those little things that I think a lot of the young guys have appreciated from me over the years. Right. Um, and I'll put them on stage at shows where they're really not ready for it. Right. Sink or swim type thing, or at yeah. least to learn something. And yeah. you see them go out there and either crush or eat a dick. <laughs> either way, they're they're getting ex- valuable experience yeah. from that. And mm. I didn't have that, you know. Yeah. Um, but now it's also this weird thing where stand-up comedy is bigger than it's ever been. Everybody in the world's a comedian. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. What do you consider? What does it take for someone to call themselves a photographer? Hmm. Okay. That's probably a loaded question. No, no, it's it's because just, I question comedy that way. Right. When people say they're a comedian, I say, I'm I like, say hmm. this. I say, so it's funny. I teach uh, at some local colleges, right? Mm-hmm. And and I teach digital photography one on one. Like literally, this is how you fucking sure. turn on your camera. This right. is aperture. This is shutter. So people ask me that all the time. Well, I'm not really a photographer, so I empower them. I say, listen, if you fucking like taking pictures. And you own a camera. You're a photographer. You believe that. Own it. Yes. Okay. However, so, right. wait for it. Yeah. You're not a working professional photographer. Right. I, yeah. Right? That's yeah. a different story. Yeah. yeah. But you're a photographer. Right. You know what I mean? So in a sense, own it. Don't be- uh, Intimidated yeah, or scared uh, of it. I just, I like taking yeah. pictures. No, no, you're a fucking photographer. Right. Now, if someone says, are you a working professional photographer? That's when you go, no. Right. I just do it as a hobby. Or hobby. I just do it on right. the side. Completely. So to me, if someone said, Oh, I'm a comedian, and then you ask him, Oh, well, what do you do? Where are you, where are you at? Where can I watch you? Yeah. Oh, well, I have this like YouTube channel. Right. And it's like, yeah. Okay, well, but at the same time, you know what? And it's funny, we had some magicians on recently, um, Dan House and Francis Minotti. Mm-hmm. These are young guys who are doing a lot of things in, in magic, yeah. right? And which they, they I, said the same I love. thing. This is, so, okay. I love magic. They they kind of said the same thing. They go, if you think about it, magic has blown up the last few years. Yeah. You have, you know, the Chris Angels and, the you know, the other people where it's not only on Vegas, it's now online, yeah. on TV and stuff. And um, it's funny, yeah. if I can just say something, yeah. I hear a lot of magicians are like shit on Chris Angel. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like the Jesus of magic. Like, it, <laughs> Nobody would give a shit about your dumb fucking act if Chris Angel didn't make them interested in magic. And, no, and that's and that's the that's the exact same thing they said. Yeah, because they'll say not a fan of his work. However, what he did for the craft, exactly. You fucking can't buy look that. at look at Penn and Teller, Absolutely. and one of them was on their show. Yeah, fool me, fool, yeah. fool us or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penn and Teller, and he was on there on national television. Right, and he's sitting there saying, uh, "I've created." And made jokes, kind of like writing comedy sure. for some of the biggest magicians yeah, in the world. Of course. And now I'm starting to get in my own. And it, it, it's one of those things where they said, uh, people who watch these guys, right? Street yeah. performers, whatever. Even though if I don't like their what they're doing, they're at least bringing people to magicians. Bringing to people magic. to the table. Right. So no that, then they can say, okay, now that I've seen what this person can do, let me go check out like the actual like magicians who are working in my town or working in the city. Absolutely. And then that way you can make a decision which one you like better. Yeah. But in the, like you said, if it wasn't for the Chris Angels, you would never fucking even have thought, you know what? Let me go check out a magician locally or let me go whatever. Yeah. And, and you can search out other magic. So yes. it's kind of the same thing for comedians. You can sit there and say, well, fuck, this guy sucks and yeah. you know, he's a hack. Right. But in reality, like you said, if there are more people out there, then you- That are coming get, into comedy clubs right. because of that guy. Right. You get yeah. a taste- 
right? Yeah, yeah. And then you can say, once you get a taste, like most things in life, your palate refines. And then yeah. you say, okay, I want to get good comedy. Nobody sticks or- with the first wine they ever tasted. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? You try yeah. about 50 of them and you right. find a couple you like. So, you know, what, what's your, you, you mentioned the process. So mm-hmm. what's, I noticed when we were talking to them about their process of how they, they kind of uh, create tricks. Uh-huh. It wasn't far off from photography. I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah. So what's your process? I mean, do you just try a bunch of new shit at different clubs and see what sticks, and then you kind of go off of that? Or um, this will is sound it more methodical. This will sound totally insane to you. You'd be surprised, but go on. I don't write any jokes down. I've do never written a joke down in my life, like oh. on paper or typed it, nothing like that. Okay. What I do is I find something interesting or fascinating or absurd and I make a mental note in my head, almost like I just add it to a mental set list. Like a Rolodex? Yep. And I have, you know, when I go on stage, I have these things that are in that mental Rolodex, Mm -hmm. and I want to see where they go. Right. So I walk on stage, and I bring it up, and I see where it goes. And sometimes it immediately develops into this beautifully crafted gem of a joke or story that you would think I spent hours writing (laughs) other times it ends up decent but it needs work right and i know that i got to bring it up again to get it right um and it's everything i do is very stream of conscious i don't really like to plan and i am not i can write jokes for other people very Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. if i know your style or i know the way you like to do things i can write jokes all day right but for myself it's always been about the mood and the absurdity of whatever I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's more of like I'm writing an attitude as opposed to a joke. And I know that my attitude sometimes or my point of view is the actual punchline. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give yeah. you an, an example about a joke of, of this point of view. And it's really about abortion where, you know, I say I know a lot of people don't like to talk about abortion and they don't know where, you know, some people don't know where they stand. I don't really know if men should have a right uh, place in this argument or mm-hmm. not. It's a woman's choice, I think. Right. Uh, I do believe that, but I also understand that, you know, maybe some people feel like they're killing a, a, a defenseless child. Mm-hmm. So I come up with something that I think can make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. I think abortion should be legal, but we should wait till the kid's like eight or nine <laughs> so that we know what kind of kid we're getting rid of. <laughs> if it's a shitty kid, nobody's going to fucking argue. Yeah. Who's against abortion then? Yeah. But if it's a great kid, we got to yeah. keep him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like, a, like a Hunger Games? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. There was, uh, there and was... that's where the point of view is more the punchline than the actual joke. Right, 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 right. It's uh, it's funny. Like, there's, and I'm probably not doing it justice, and probably gonna catch some shit. But there was this comedian, this female comedian, who would talk about like things that make people uncomfortable, right? Yeah. So they go, oh, how come all of Hollywood just adopts little black babies, right? And that yeah. was when like Angela Jolie sure, was a couple yeah. years ago. And she goes, you know, it's, I swear it's like, <laughs> she she equated it to, um, it's like saying you want a pit bull because it's a cute puppy, right? <laughs> but then that little black kid grows up and then you sit there and go, he's this fucking huge beastly ripped kind of thing. And then you go, oh, I want to give it away now. And you go, it's kind of like owning a pit bull. And I was dying because she's like that's hilarious you know, it's a cute puppy but then it grows up and you're like fuck you're kind of afraid of this big built black dude right. just living in your house i was fucking <laughs> dying and she's like and then i want to give it away <laughs> <laughs> well see that again where the punchline really is the point of view right yeah. just how absurd is it oh, you know yeah. wait then- till the kid's eight or nine to have an abortion right. right and and that's where i think a lot of to me 
that's where I've that's been my kind of comedy. Right. Like my point of view is the punchline more than necessarily writing a really funny line. Right. Or well, really mean, like, clever or ironic. Right. Thing. I mean, you, you and I'm not going to try and open up this can of worms here. That's but, okay. But one of the biggest things a lot of people deal with is like people stealing jokes, right? Yeah, I've had it happen right. by very famous comedians. Right. And yeah. then, but then you sit there and say, and, and I'm not, I'm just playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. here. Uh, just like photography, you can steal someone's concept. And if you do it better, you, yeah. you know, they're going to say, well, f- sorry, you know? Yeah. And same thing with comedy. You might say, okay, it was your joke, but you didn't tell it right. Yeah. Or you didn't give it enough timing or you didn't have the right perspective. Yeah. I took it and either completely ripped it off or I took it and, you went know, somewhere else with a it. little bit and is the basis the crux of it sure might be yours and i've had guys come to me and go hey you know that thing you do about this which really is just kind of a throwaway and i'm like yeah and they're like do you care if i take that and do this with it and i'm like you know what yours is better go yeah the whole problem i think if i don't want to name names but famous people have like taken jokes of mine right and I don't care, really. Mm-hmm. I just care that they didn't say, hey, man, can I have that? Because I would have gave it to them. Right. It's just this kind of like self-righteous, I deserve that sort of, I'm going to just take it. Right. That's the only thing that bothers me. It's not- The Columbus right. the Columbus attitude. Exactly. And yeah. And it's, it's, it's really a matter of just, and a lot of times you're right, a couple of them have been better. Yeah. But it's like, you know you got it from me. I don't want any money, but just- don't act like you didn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and that's something that we, 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 in photography, we deal with a lot. Yeah. You know, is, is do you have the, uh, I don't say balls, but do you have the, the guts to just admit and say, that person did it better? So, you know, not even get mad and say, okay, yeah, they maybe have taken something, but if they did it better, you know what? Kudos, thumbs up. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I wish maybe I could talk to them one day and tell them, you know, you, you might have stole this, but you know what? You, you, you did it better. So cool. Yeah. You know, because in reality, what we do, much like comedy and, and, and art, any kind of art, right? Yeah. Think about it. It's fucking point, not pointless. I don't want to say pointless, but it's, it has no real value. It's, you know, no. but the value that is placed on it is very important. People could paint something and all it is is fucking paint on a canvas yeah. and it can sell for $2 million right. or it can sell for $5. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, and that's what a lot of photographers talk about is the fact that I can create something out of nothing yeah. and literally attach value to it. Yeah. And comedy, same thing. You can sit there and say, I started out telling jokes in eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and here I am making $300,000 making, you know, whatever, you know, but I think, I think there's more value to it than just financial. Right. Because if it makes you happy well, of course. doing it, right. that's the greatest value in the world. Well, Yeah. Like we talked about, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not all about the money, but essentially, I mean, let's be honest, there's a, there's a word starving artist for a reason. Absolutely. And there's people who make art for like, especially painters yeah. their whole lives and they only get famous when they're dead. Yeah. I heard, a, I heard, a, I don't remember who it was. A comedian one time was talking about starving artists and, you know, remaining pure mm-hmm. and not selling out. Right. And he goes, uh, let me ask you a question. When Van Gogh was on the side of the road and he's eating fucking rats because he didn't have any money. Right. You think if somebody would have offered him a couple of lira, he'd have turned it down because he yeah. was only doing it for the love of the art. <laughs> Fuck no. Yeah. He'd have cut his other fucking ear off and drew that shit. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I think, I think what happened is when artists became successful mm-hmm. and they became rich from their art, right. a stigma was formed that we've never been able to shake, which is that if you become successful and rich, 
people hate that on somehow it. you've sold out. Right. Isn't that the whole concept is to do something that people love? Yeah. And then, but there's those that argue that go, my art isn't for anyone else. It's just for me. Right. Well, then why the fuck are you showing people it? Yeah. And Put it in the closet and right. shut the fuck up. It's funny. Uh, two things. One, I think the only thing that can, or I understood it in that sense, was with like entrepreneurs. Right. Yep. L- look at the day and age we're in. People can make a fucking phone app and make billions of dollars. Bill- literally billions. Literally billions. Right. right? And you can say, okay, that person made something out of nothing that essentially had no value and sold it for billions of dollars. And you can call them a sellout. But to me, no, no, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk this out. Yeah. Some people then go through the thing because some of them have like had like employees and they sure. sold the business. And now the business turns to shit. It gets dissolved and yeah. people lose their jobs and it's horrible, right? But then you, you say, okay, if that person can take that money and then go do the next thing. Yeah, of course. And that's what I think entrepreneurs have that other people don't give credit to artists is that if you can take that one thing, sell it, make money off of it, and then pivot and do something else, whether it's fucking, you know, a, a nonprofit in Africa or whatever. Yep. If it's another app that makes you more money, who all the better. It's like what you said. It's no different than going and working at night to do a construction gig so you can do this fucking podcast. Right. It's the same exact thing. Somewhere along the way, artists became victims of their own success. Right. And and it sucks. And all it is is other artists. That's who shits on it. Right. It's never Joe Public that goes, oh, he's a fucking sellout. Right. It's the guy that hasn't sold anything yet. That's who's bitching. (laughs) That's who fucking bitches. Yeah, you got a good point. this asshole that's sitting in a fucking corner bar somewhere that can't get booked doing jokes hates me because I'm making a shit ton of money telling jokes. Right. Well, guess what? I'm not a fucking sellout. I'm really fucking good at what I do. Right. And if you got off your ass and quit blaming me for your lack of fucking talent, maybe you'd be here too. Yeah. And and that's what it, it's never the average Joe the, the fan of the arts you know, that says that. Right. You know what's funny? I had this, uh, I was reading this book and I, uh, for the life, man, I can't remember what it is, but there's this one quote. The Bible. That, no, I, you know, I think it was called the, 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 the war of art or the, yeah. So a play on the art yeah, of yeah, war. Yeah. And it was funny. One of the highlights, things I highlighted was the best and only thing one artist can do for another is to serve as an example and an inspiration. Yeah, so I totally agree it, with that. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah. If I can show that, hey, I got successful, right. I'm making money, you can too. Yeah. You know, and you take younger comics under your wing and you give back whenever you can, yeah. then then yeah, that's what fucking art should be all about. I've, you know, wa- not- I've walked into like open mic nights mm-hmm. around town mm-hmm. and an open mic night for those that don't know is basically a night for amateurs. Right. It's amateur hour like the Apollo. To get up and yeah. try it, right? Right. And I've walked in and there's comedians in there and I see them like when I walk in, they kind of like, oh, there's Mickey, you know. Right. And there's always one among the bunch that's like, you know, why is he coming down here? You know. Right. This is you're, you're our stepping, domain. Right. Stepping and I'm looking on at him like, yeah. you fucking dick. If it wasn't even, if, and I, this sounds arrogant, but like if it wasn't for guys like me, the generation or two before you, there wouldn't be all these open mic nights. Right. Like there was when I started doing comedy in Baltimore, there was one club and it was black. It was an all black club. Right. That was our open mic night. Did and, you kill it? Yeah. But I learned <laughs> how to do it there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now there's there's one every night of the week. Right. You know, and and when I see these guys and they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of this or, you know, when I do come like, first of all, let's you're not even a comedian. You're an right. open micer. 
Right. You're, you're literally learning how to be a comedian. So get off the bar stool. Yeah, you've been doing it three months longer than the other guys, so you have a crowd around you. Okay? Right. But it makes me angry, man. Cause no, it, I get it. I mean, I've always wanted to share the wealth and the knowledge and the art. And when I see these fucking dicks, and it's in any art. I don't right. care what it is. No, it's, yeah, it's true. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not a fan of this. or I'm not. Well, then get the fuck out of it. If you're not a fan of what you're doing, why are you doing it? Right. I've and, never understood that. In yeah. My life. And, I, and it's, you know, so you, you brought up something where, you know, you trying to instill this in younger people. I mean, yeah. you know, you had, you have, you've had kids, right? So yeah. kind of, do you see your, like some of those traits trickling into your kids at all? Do you think they share some of that? Which part of it? You mean like the, the wanting to help and or, uh, or which parts? Maybe the part where they would, they would get put in a, a broom closet in an art. Um, an art I think with my youngest Carlin, he named after George. Wow, Carlin. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, I think I'm serious about this. Um, but he he definitely has a comics point of view, right? He he's hilarious. Does he does he sit there at dinner and go like, "Hey, what's up with peas?" <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not a Seinfeld fan. <laughs> um, he's more like, "What's up with these fucking little green things?" Um, no, he's you know what? He definitely has a comics point of view, right? Um, he's a great storyteller mm-hmm. and he's a ham. Um, but at the same time, I would say that my middle one, Michael, is probably the best writer. Like if one of them was nice. going to sit down and write. Yeah. And then my daughter would be the most sarcastic, but in a very, very dry. I was going to say, if you put all three of them together, that'd it's, be pretty. It's, yeah. You'd be unbeatable. Yeah. But I think they've each they know how serious comedy is in our lives like right it comedy pays the bills you know and right. they know daddy's serious about it and uh like we'll watch silly movies and right. i've always explained to them since they were little no that's not funny that's silly right and silly can be funny but like and i i'll give you a quick example yeah. one my son was four michael and i said uh he he came up to me and he goes dad knock knock and i go who's there and he goes uh the chicken. And I said, the chicken who? And he goes, blah, 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 blah. and I go, okay, first of all, that's stupid. Don't ever say that again. I go, jokes are serious around here. Right. I go, a joke has to be funny. Right. It has to be smart. Right. And it has to make sense. Right. And I'm not kidding you. Four years no. old. He yeah. sits there. I'm, when I say a half hour, give or take 10 minutes. Right. He said, I just see his little brain working. Yeah. And all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, dad. And I go, what's that, buddy? He goes, knock, knock. I go, Who's there? He goes, me. I go, me who? He goes, you know who I am. Open the door. <laughs> and dude, I did the same thing you just did. And he looks me dead in the face. He's like, is that a joke? I'm like, that is a joke, buddy. Four years old. Yeah. Open but, the fucking door. You know, you know who I am. Door, you know who I am. And, uh, and, and I was very proud of him. Right. You know, because it, it, it's serious to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If one of your kids were going to get into photography right you're gonna do everything you can to make sure they yeah. understand everything about right it. right and that's where i'm at with comedy like the little one's gonna be the greatest performer storyteller ever right the middle one would might be, write his jokes or might write write for him. Him. and then the the my my daughter will just do interviews where she's incredibly sarcastic talking right. about her two idiot brothers right so yeah we got Dude, the whole family that's, dynasty that's awesome yeah, yeah that's awesome so we're gonna get deep real quick and yeah. we're trying to wrap we're gonna wrap up here sure um so one of the last ones is you know what's your most meaningful moment in your career thus far and then tell me about your biggest regret 
in your career? Keep them both like a minute. Yep. Uh, well, my biggest, what was the first thing you said? My Your most meaningful moment. Okay, my most meaningful moment. Um, it's hard to explain, but uh, late in my life, my mom got really sick mm. and lost both of her hands, both mm. of her feet. And um, it was a freak disease, came out of nowhere. And um, at the time, I was filming a comedy special. And uh, it looked like she wasn't going to be able to make it because mm-hmm. of hospital stay. And right. I sold out the Hippodrome Theater in downtown Baltimore. It's a place where Elvis, Sinatra, wow. Janice, jo- like it, it's the place, the right. theater. I sold it out, 2,200 seats. And I didn't think my mom was going to be able to make it. And um, by stroke of good fortune, um, showtime came and she was able to be there. And I walked on stage to a standing ovation. And I looked up and dead center of the balcony, there was my mom. Wow. And it was just the most surreal sort of, it was the highlight of my career professionally, Mm -hmm. but also personally, because there was my mom who we thought was going to die a year ago, um, had struggled through and survived and made it. And it's the greatest moment in my career because I can remember standing on that stage and I could see 2,199 people but I could only make out the face of one yeah. and that was my mom. And so that was the moment where I was like, Holy shit. Right. That was my Holy shit moment in yeah. my career. Yeah. Yeah. Seven cameras crane. It was fucking nuts. That's and all awesome. I could see was her. It was amazing. That's awesome. And then the second part of your question, what was what, it? Your biggest regret. Um, I, I guess my biggest regret with regret would be, it's almost hard to say. Probably not moving to Los Angeles as a young guy. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I wouldn't have my kids. Right. I would have had a different yeah. life path. Um, yeah. I think I could have been very, very much more successful and had career in movies and TV and stuff had I done the whole L.A. thing. Um, but I never cared about fame. Right. So yeah. I don't know if it's a regret as much as a, a wonder. Like, right, I like wonder a, a if, what if. A what right. if. Yeah. Um, if. As far as regret, I will say this. Probably leaving the morning show when I did and walked away from it because I was so depressed and didn't know how to deal with things at the time mm-hmm. emotionally. That would be my biggest regret. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, any big gigs you have coming up you want to plug? Just uh, lunch when we're done here. That's all I know. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? Right now I'm just doing a bunch of like bar shows and stuff. I'm kind of writing a, I'm writing a one man play right now called fame, fortune, failure. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's about basically my career and how it went. This huge arc of success. Ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've been doing a bunch of stuff and writing little tidbits as I go. And that's really, I'll be performing that probably in the spring. Nice. Yeah. All right. Cool. I I, I was going to ask because I know Jess and I loved your set when we when we met. Right. Yeah, when yeah, I went to thank you. at the time, it was the the mallet. Right, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Thank you. And you, you remember Jess was so excited to get out of the house without yeah. the kids that she got fucking hammered. I do remember Jess enjoying herself <laughs> that night. I'll just put it that way. She enjoyed herself. That's yeah. all. No. We she had, stayed classy though. She yeah. stayed classy the whole time. Yeah. Of course. You know. And yeah. upright. That's yeah. always that's yeah, always yeah, yeah, a yeah. good thing. She did. She did. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah as she's in the back judging me right of course that, right um and lastly who's someone that you'd like to hear us talk to on the show oh wow that's a great question yeah um and, it, and it's funny because usually we talk to photographers yeah but i tell them it doesn't have to be photographers it's any kind of creative but for you I, you know it could be another comedian it could be whatever i think I mean? if i you know 
And it's interesting. After doing this show, I, I, let me tell you something. I, sure. I think you're a very good interviewer. Thank you. It was a very- that was actually one of my questions I had on here was, do you have any tips for for being better at uh, what was it? Have any tips for not sucking while doing this? See, I didn't think you sucked at all. It was a good interview because you let you let the the guest talk, mm-hmm. but you also I noticed you doing it because I'm have experience doing this. You waited for your moment to go in to change the subject to move to the next thing. Right. That's where most guys or ladies suck at this right is that you just keep talking about the same thing for an hour and people are like yeah we get it okay comedy sucks <laughs> um but you did very good with that um who would i like to see you talk to um i would from your point of view um i would like to see you talk to somebody like a uh I'll be honest, like this is so weird and I'm not just saying this. I always wanted to hear a really good interview with like a really good famous sports photographer that have caught that has caught these great moments because the public is so fascinated with sports. Oh yeah. And those images images get locked in your mind and images tell a story for a lifetime. Right. And just to hear somebody saying, like, what was it like when you clicked that button and you knew you had a moment in time? That all of society, not just some artsy fartsy photo guy, was going to get right, but like a little kid could look at and hang on his wall, right, right. a Derek Jeter swing or you know right. something, yeah, where you're just like Reggie that, Jackson's, you yeah, know, home run, exactly. Kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you think about some of those iconic photographs, you know the whole story, but that photograph, that 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 instant, that flash, that snap of the camera, right tells that whole story oh yeah that's what's so amazing so maybe a sports photographer if i could be selfish i would say um i would like to see you interview i mean you uh, you can get specific michael vick michael (laughs) because you know i i I, no i'm kidding i just messing with the philly guy uh you know to be specific like um maybe like um another another a female comedian yeah. I don't Do you know any local ones that are, I, I know a really good one that you would be, uh, that would be a fabulous interview for you okay, guys. Great. Um, I, you know, I'm a big fan of comedy obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big fan of ladies in comedy. Cause they, they get treated like they literally get treated like third world oh, citizens. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, there's a documentary called women aren't funny. Now it's by a really? woman. Yeah. By a woman named Bonnie McFarlane and her husband, Rich Voss, who both are fucking hilarious. But that's really the norm in our business. That yeah. oh, it's a fucking female, right? You know, she's going to talk about I mean, her people, boyfriend. People lost their goddamn minds when Amy Schumer was on the cover of GQ. You know well, what I mean? like, you know, Amy Schumer, I, Amy Schumer makes me laugh. Um, I don't. The only thing problem I have with Amy Schumer is people calling her hot. Like I don't think she's <laughs> fucking hot. I don't. I, I. She's slightly downsy looking. Like she's got a little Down syndrome. I don't know what it is, but she's a little downsy to me. She's hilarious, and maybe the little downsies what makes her so funny. Yeah, yeah, That's horrible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's not going to listen to this, right? But, but now I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to yeah, tweet it at her. Like Amy called Amy Amy Downsy. Schumer, little downsy, a little downsy, but funny as fuck. But you know I'm right. She's a little downsy looking. Am I wrong? Tell me you could not see her sort of coming third in the Special Olympics or something like that <laughs> in some sort of some sort of strength event. Uh. <laughs> Jess is crying in the background. I don't background. know if that's a, there's no. a fox dying. No, yeah, yeah. It's that's that's Jess because she's not the biggest Amy Schumer fan, so it's, I'm sure she yeah, listen. She Amy it, so. Schumer, the, Hollywood does this all the time. Right. Every four years, they grab a girl and they go, "You're the next Lucy." Right. And it kills me because there's only been three or four that are really worthy. I yeah. think Sarah Silverman's a fucking genius. Yeah. Um, I think that 
Ellen DeGeneres is a fucking genius. I like Whitney Cummings. I think Whitney, she's pretty funny. We'll talk off air. Um, <laughs> other than that, this has been great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so listen, man, thank you for taking the time Jose, out. It was my pleasure. Um, seriously. This has know, been great. Yeah. And it's been fun kind of picking your brain a little bit and seeing, you know, like we said, I mean, we've had some interesting people on and it's been, it's been, I think the coolest thing is seeing the common thread, you know, between a magician, a comedian, a photographer, we can all get in a room and say, we can get along in sure. the sense of there's there's one part of it that we all can connect with, um, and I think that's why there's a broad label called artists that we all kind of. I think the common under. theme we can all agree on is that we hate actors. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, Nikki. Thank you. Thank um, you, buddy. And uh, and you know, hopefully, we'll have you back on soon. My pleasure, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you.